Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, November 24th, 2015. Today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page 7, starting with paragraph 3, focus sharing on paragraph 4. Today's readers are... The 12 Steps, Hoodie R, The 12 Traditions, Mary H, reading the text today, Martha Z, Chelsea H, and Elizabeth S. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, November 23rd, is 8218, 8218. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Hoodie R to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you so much for your service. My name is Hoodie R, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Hudiar. I will now ask Mary H. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, this is Mary H. in Connecticut, Recovering Compulsive Overeater. The 12 Traditions. 1. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 2. 
For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service in my past. Thank you, Mary H. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted, even those in queue with self-mute. Please stay muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 7, starting with paragraph 3, and I will ask Martha Z to begin our study this morning. Good morning, Melanie. Can you hear me? I can. Good morning. Loud and clear. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for your loving service. This is Martha C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from near Philadelphia. But it was not, for the frightful day came when I drank once more. The curve of my declining moral and bodily health fell off like a ski jump. After a time, I returned to the hospital. This was the finish, the curtain, it seemed to me. My weary and despairing wife was informed that it would all end with heart failure during delirium tremens, or I would develop a wet brain, perhaps within a year, she would soon have to give me over to the undertaker or the asylum. They did not need to tell me. I knew and almost welcomed the idea. It was a devastating blow to my pride. I, who had thought so well of myself and my abilities, of my capacity to surmount obstacles, was cornered at last. 
Now I was to plunge into the dark, joining that endless procession of thoughts who had gone on before. I thought of my poor wife. There had been much happiness after all. What would I not give to make amends? But that was over now. Good morning, my friends in recovery. Still more to see. Um, the first thing I wanted to say is he, he says, I who had thought so well of myself. And I can remember very clearly when I was in high school, I, I did well in everything. I was a good student and I was good in music and sports, but I just I just couldn't do this food thing. It was the one thing that I wasn't successful at and I, I didn't understand. I didn't know what I was up against. And um, But then he says he's cornered at last. And um, in my case, cornered at last was a really good thing because I like to say that powerlessness is the power. I, until I could really see that I, there was not one, I had, without, like people say I was out of options, I couldn't, I couldn't solve this. I couldn't do this myself. Until I could see that, I, what did I need a higher power for? So um, that was that was a really good thing for me to be cornered at last. I kind of felt like they they talk about on in we agnostics they talk about us being into a, beating, being beat into a state of reasonableness. And I spent seven years before I got to OA struggling. I spent my first twelve years in OA struggling, and I was really really ready when when I I finally surrendered. But I was well beat into it, and. Um, Anyway, let's see. So I, I I felt like, I actually felt like I was raising a white flag. You know, I, I couldn't. I tried so hard to eat it moderately. I couldn't. I just couldn't. I thought, God, just stop trying to do that. You know, you just can't do that anymore. So, and I the part where it says, I thought of my poor wife. God bless my husband. I really, I have the level of recovery I have today because he just hung in there with me. I he taught me about unconditional love. I didn't know anything about it. And I kept thinking he was going to, with all this craziness, he was going to say, I've had enough of this. But I am, I'm so grateful. And I know he's, he is much grateful for the person that I am in recovery. So I am so grateful to all of you and you know, grateful to the program. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Martha Z. Who would like to comment on this paragraph today? Carol, this is Bella. Can I say? Reva P. Hi, Carol. Reva. Kim J. Hi, Kim. How about anyone else? Okay, we can go with those four then. If if uh, no one else has stepped up just yet, um, the lineup is Carol G, Bella G, Reva P, and Kim G. Anyone else before I start with with Carol? Okay, thanks. Good morning, Carol. Sasa O. Hi, good morning, Melanie. Are you able to hear me? I am. Good. Hi. Hi Carol. Oh, thank you so much. I thought my telephone wasn't working. It's Carol G., gratefully recovered compulsive overeater and loving uh, that paragraph already. There's so much in there. Um what this passage means to me today is I can see how Bill and I were preparing to hit bottom, literally fall to the floor, devastated. And he's like me. He's unable to get back up again without a real solution. 
I didn't realize this until this morning, but today's the 24th of November and people are sending me birthday wishes and it's not actually my belly button birthday. It's 15 years ago to this day that I came to OA and stayed. And it signifies that surrender for me because in the beginning, um, I was somebody who was so full of pride. I was the person that would always help everybody else. I was the person that everybody would turn to. And yet, I just couldn't turn and help myself. What was I going to do? And I found Overeaters Anonymous. So what matters is that I experienced this miracle in the end. Okay, so it took me 13 years. Nothing, nothing was wasted. Just let me help give you this piece of strength and hope. Nothing is wasted. All of it mattered. Every failure, every success, every dash to my pride because it's molded me into a person I'm becoming today. And I laugh now because my pride was killing me. And actually it was my defiance and pride in the end that saved my life. Um, it was a devastating blow for me to come to OA in the first place. So much so I actually came in a disguise. And I couldn't get on with the people to begin with but the first person I met at the door was not very helpful to me she turned around and said to me without kindness and this really taught me a lesson she said we can't trust you we don't know if we'll ever see you again we don't want to give you this big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and just to defy her I came back and put my bottom on that seat every single Saturday and that woman God lover saved my life because I laugh now because even though my pride can kill me my pride can also help me sometimes because when I turned to OA for help I didn't get what I needed in the way I wanted it but I did get what I need people speak to me sometimes and it's not always with kindness but it's always with love and I've always found love in this program whether it be tough love or gentle love and yesterday my disease took a devastating blow from me because I said to it you know what God is everything and you're nothing compared to this mighty powerful force so I really relate to Bill I love to hear what he's going through because the minute I get to that bottom place I know the only way is up thank you and I pass thank you Carol G Bella G Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella T and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Melanie, for doing this service and thank you very much, everybody on the line. It was a devastating blow to my pride. Wow. This is what I exactly, but exactly felt the first time when I came to the OA. I didn't know what is the OA. I didn't expect that this is the OA. When I went to the OA, because a doctor told me, maybe go to the OA, maybe they will help you to lose weight. So I really thought the OA is another kind of a diet. And when I came to the OA, this is what I felt. I felt devastating blow to my pride. You know, I didn't expect people should talk about God. What God is related to diet. And when I, I, when I heard again and again, God and God, this is what I felt. I wanted to hear, oh, this time, this will be a kind of a diet that I will be able to do it. And I did believe that I can do it. I have the control to lose weight. And, the, and you know, when I, I, I heard God and God and God, I said to myself, oh, please, 
I know who is God. I have relationship with God, not with diet. It doesn't, it doesn't mean nothing about my diet and my food behavior. And this is what I felt. I felt a devastating of my pride. And thank you, God. Thank you, God, that really God helped me to stay in the program. And thank you, God, that I am now in the program. And this is my pride to be able to say, I don't have control. And I am powerless. And I am now with pride connected to the higher power. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Reva P. Good morning. This is Reva P., Recovered and Grateful Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Um, this paragraph um, makes me think of two things. First of all, I needed to get to my bottom, and it took what it took, and I had to go through what I had to go through um, to get to my step one. And I love the fact that Bill is writing this in retrospect, so he is able to say, I was cornered at last, because to me that uh, suggests there's going to be salvation, there's going to be some upswing um, after this downward ski jump slide um, into his step one. Um, And, you know, I can share about how devastating and how awful it was because I now know that there's a solution, which is totally different than just um, complaining, whining, which I can still often get into. Um, That doesn't work. It goes right into the solution. Um, And what do I need to do? What step work um, do I need to do? What actions do I need to take? Um, to get into the solution. And that's not just my, um, you know, first awakening to get into the program. It's a daily thing. And I love the fact that, again, he's writing in retrospect, I who had thought so well of myself, you know, that's just me to a T, my ego, my pride, I, 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 and I'm the one who got myself into the mess with my best thinking. Um, So that's a reminder to me that salvation is not only in the powerlessness and the surrender, but getting rid of that pride and saying, I don't know. I can't do this. Maybe there's another way and be open to the guidance that I get from my higher power when I do the work and I do the steps. Um, And... um, That's all I have to share, and I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Kim G. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I, who had thought so well of myself and my abilities, my capacity to surmount obstacles, was cornered at last. You know, Reva kind of, I'm trying to reinforce what Reva said about, you know, we talk about this mystical bottom, this magical bottom. If I only reach that bottom, that's when I'm going to change. And I don't know about you, but I used to set a lot of red lines thinking if I chased that bottom physically, I would stop. You know, when I, maybe it was a magical age when I graduated high school, when I graduated college. Maybe it was a magical size. When I hit a size 20, when I hit a size 24, I'll stop. Or maybe it's a weight. When I hit a size, when I hit 200 pounds, when I hit 250 pounds. To me, this bottom is cornered at last as a spiritual bottom. It's a point where I can't get drunk and I can't get sober. 
It's a point where I can't live with the food, and it's a point where I can't live without the food. And the fact was, was he thought so well of himself. You know, I have to tell you, I was in relapse for years, saying I was abstinent while I was gaining weight. And I also got my master's degree while I was in relapse. I had the ability to do lots of things, but I could not, I was cornered at last with this food. You know, I have to tell you, I don't even know my abstinence date. I was someone who always knew the number of days. That was a big thing for me. This was, this was the time. I was so defeated that I only have an estimation of when I start, when I stopped. And now, once again, retrospectively, I can tell you what my bottom was. I, I kept thinking I hit my bottom, but going back now as a recovered person, I know what my bottom was. I was hurt in a snowstorm, broke my ankle. My foot was facing the opposite direction with every muscle intended, had pins and screws in my leg, never been so much pain, sitting in my bed, thinking to myself, I have to go to the bathroom, but I'm just going to pee in the bed. Because the thought of standing up when my leg was dangling was incredibly pain. And I thought, that's it. I can't do it. I'm just going to pee in my bed. And 10 minutes later, I thought to myself, I really need something to eat. And that motivated me to get up and move to the kitchen. And the kitchen was twice the distance to my bathroom. That was the moment that I knew that I would do anything for food, regardless of the pain, regardless of the consequences. And I was so spiritually defeated that sometime within those next three or four days, I surrendered and said, I can't live with the food and I can't live without the food. And I think that a lot of times we think if we can chase that bottom, it'll make us stop. But quartered at last is not physical. It is mental. It is spiritual. It is the time that we know, once again, that we can't live with the food and we can't live without the food. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. I wanted Vasa O to know that I did hear her too. If you wanted to go next, but who else wanted to share on this paragraph? Larry. Hi, Larry. Hi, Charles. Hi, Melanie. Anyone else? Ren- Renata. Sally. And Renata. Melissa Sage. And Melissa. Let's stop with that right now. Thanks so much. So I would have Vasa, Larry K, Charles H, Renata G, Sally hey. A, and Melissa C. Amy G is trying to get in there. Oh, hello Tracy there. Let's go to listen. Amy and G. Tracy T. I got Amy. you, Amy. Thanks so oh, much. Okay, I, I, I there. No, sorry. you're fine. You're fine. Amy G. And then I did hear Tracy T. So let's squeeze those two in there too. So let me go back over the list in case you missed it. Vasa O, Larry K, Charles H, Renata G, Sally A, Melissa C, Amy G, and Tracy T. Thank you. Um, Vasa, you're up. Yes, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. And I am Vasa O, Recover Compulsive Vida, calling from Florida. And I just, you know, like I can identify so much with Bill's story and, you know, his, this paragraph. Uh, it's just, it was devastating blow to my uh, pride. When it came to the food, I really was not too, you know, I, I, I was not proud. I was ready and willing you know, because I tried it for so long, so many years, I could see that I could not stop anymore. No matter how many times I tried to stop, I could not keep it down. So I really wasn't struggling with the pride. I was I was ready to admit, you know, no, I can't do this anymore. But, again, I had been, you know, I was so successful in so many other areas in my life, 
And those were gifts, you know. I mean, thank God that I had those gifts. It kept me going, you know. But when it came to the food, I just was leaked. You know, I couldn't do it anymore. I was cornered at last. And this was the, you know, I guess God was waiting for me, you know. The program was waiting for me when the student is ready and the teacher will appear. And I was just so, so ready to surrender. And my surrender, my, my you know, my biggest surrender happened October 25th, 1986. And just before the holidays, I mean, I remember saying, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? You know, it was my daughter's birthday coming a few days later. It was our anniversary, wedding anniversary, and then it was Halloween, Halloween, of course, before that, and then Thanksgiving, Christmas. I said, I cannot possibly do this. And I remember hearing the programs. Thank you, God, for bringing in the programs. And, you know, you don't have to do this. You know, you don't have to think about it. You know, you keep it just for today. Think about it today. Don't project that we are thinking. You know, tomorrow, God will give you the strength to deal with it tomorrow. Just deal with it for today. And um, again, you know, and I still do this one day at a time, you know, one meal at a time. It's not a chore anymore. It's not a big deal. But I'm just so grateful, especially, you know, it's really important now, you know, for, you know, again, for me as a newcomer, this was the, the hardest time to start my abstinence, you know, but I did what I was told. It was very painful. I had to go through the withdrawals and the obsession, calling. The food was calling for me. But no matter what, no matter what, I'd get on my knees and help. Ask God for help. And I continued going to my programs and, and doing the tools and whatever. I did whatever it took. Thank you very much. And I passed. Thank you, Vasa O. Larry Kay. Good morning, Melanie. Thanks uh, for your service, Larry K. Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, you know, surrender, it's a, it's a funny thing, surrender. Um, I, I've known uh, more than, actually more than one person that was waiting for their bottom. And, um, and I, can, I can identify, you know, in, in trying to find that bottom. Um, unfortunately for a couple of people, their bottom was a casket. Um, and, uh, you know, and that was their bottom. And they these were good people. They, you know, they didn't, they didn't plan on it. I, I can assure you they didn't wake up that day thinking they would be a, another sot in the procession, you know. Um, it wasn't fair, you know, but it, it nonetheless was, was the reality. You know, our first step involves facing ourselves squarely, seeing myself as I am, you know, flawed, incomplete, and powerless. And here Bill is acknowledging, you know, perhaps for the first time that he's cornered and his, his pride is being demolished by alcohol. You know, wow, I mean, I can relate to that realization. For me, the realization that I was owned by my bin substances, that was a crushing blow to my ego, but it was absolutely necessary nonetheless if I was to recover. You know, if left untreated, the spiritual malady would always drive, you know, me back to binging or maybe someone else to vomiting, someone else popping pills or, or some other form of emotional escapism to, to, to quell that, that restlessness inside, you know, that has us crawling out of our skin. And I might suggest to, to the still suffering compulsive overeater that to be truly cornered might, might indeed be the greatest blessing you've ever, you ever received. You know, provided, of course, that the disease convinces you, as it did Bill, you know, as it did me, 
that, that you're out of ideas. You know, you tried the self-solution. You know, it, it didn't work. And, um, you know, what I, what I, uh, when I think of, um, you know, I think of one person, you know, she, she didn't die of compulsive overeating. That wasn't what was on her death certificate. You know, she may have had a spiritual malady like I do. Um, but she, it, was, it was a heart attack, at, you know, at, at around 40, um, you know, and, 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 and that was her bottom. Um, but, but, you know, a beautiful person. I mean, someone who, uh, who, who, who might have had a lot to give to others and, and probably could have been, you know, maximum service to a higher power. I mean, who's to know? But um, certainly a talented person, as Bill was and so forth. So it really, the willingness piece of it is, is, uh, is up to us. You know, fair or otherwise, it's up to us. You know, God is not going to come down uh, and knock on my door and uh, make me. No one ever held me down and force-fed me my baby substances. I did that. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Charles H. Melanie, for your service, Charles H., a recovered visionary. I don't know if y'all ever heard of those, those, you know, them car insurance commercials, newsflash. Um, no human power um, is going to uh, take, you know, take away the obsession or, or, or physically take away my alcoholic allergic binge substances from my life. Um, not even a power greater myself is going to uh, force me to do that. That's how great this power is. Um, you know, Right here, I identify in with um, Bill W. The, the I, yeah, 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 is finally stopping. Like, oh, my God. Like, you know, I could walk up the aisle so many times and turn my life over to a power greater myself, but I'm going to walk away. I'm going to walk away. And I could go back and walk back again. I could keep saying I'm cornered at last. I could keep saying I'm willing and, and, and act. I could be a, I could be that actor on page sixty two all the time, but God, my God is so great that He's gonna be like, yo, you want that? That's what you want. And, and, and a message to my sponsors and, and to people that call me and all that. You know what? You want to wiggle? You gotta wiggle because my, you know, God allowed me to wiggle as much as I wanted. But you know, when 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 I said. I, I, I'm going to stop. I'm just, yo, just put the handcuffs on me. Put the spiritual handcuffs on me, God. Just put them on me. That's when things start to happen. You know, um, the devastating blow, I don't know. You know, I've seen people die from this disease. My family members died, and it wasn't devastating to me. I walked up the aisle. I, 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 I went to the center, and I left again. And, and you know, I still leave spiritually sometimes. That's why this is a, a one day at a time. You know, um, no more IIIs. I'm, no more, you know what, like free will. And, and I know one thing when the big book, when, when, I know when the big book says, don't force, don't, don't waste your time with, I'm not. There's too many other people sick that need help. I want to try to be like Dr. Bob and help 5,000 people recover. I ain't got no time to be waiting on people to be willing. You ain't willing yet? That's okay. God will wait on you. I'm not God. I'm trying to help somebody else that's willing right now. And with that, I pass. Peace. Thank you, Charles H. Renata G. 
Thank you, Melanie, for your service. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, family. This is Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Reader in New York. Uh, I thought of my poor wife. There had been much happiness after all. What would I not give to make amends? But that was over now. You know, it's the first time I see Bill thinking of someone else, especially his, you know, his poor wife that has been through, you know, everything with him. And, um, you know, how he's thinking is changing here, you know, um, that he would like to make amends, that, you know, he wants a, another chance to do things differently. And the reason, you know, I see here that it's happening to him, it's because he really thought it was over now, you know, and that's, that's the point I had to reach, you know, I needed to be done over you know my bottom had nothing to do with uh my size with you know weight when i you know the last time i picked up the food i was a normal body weight but the instant hell that i went into when i put that first compulsive bite in my mouth it was overwhelming overwhelming like kim g shared you know i could not imagine life with or without the food anymore and I had to reach that point to become, become really willing to do anything. Like, you know, he said, what would I not give to make amends? What would I not give to be free, to recover, to live? You know, because even though I never really had major health issues because of this disease, like I, I never suffered from, you know, high blood pressure or high cholesterol, but... um you know, the mental torture was so big that I know I would not last very long. You know, nobody can live without hope. And I know by now I would have killed myself already because living that disease is is too painful. I could not take it anymore. And so, you know, when I could drop all the masks of denial that I had towards this disease and really see that I was completely 100% powerless, then that's it. I was cornered. Then I would do whatever it takes. Like I knew my only hope was to do what I heard the people on this line did, to become completely abstinent and work the steps, you know? And so I finally understood that it didn't matter what I would have to do. I had to get through the steps absently. And uh, that was the only thing that ever worked for me. And to them, free, thank God. But that I passed. Thank you, Renata G. Sally A. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, A Vision for You. It's Sally A. in South Jersey, a recovered compulsive eater. And um, so here we see at the top of the page on page 8, we see the word pride um, just above the word cornered at last. And, you know, he's speaking here to us about this man has reached his bottom. He has had a devastating blow. And what's the blow to his pride? It's just that simple that he knows something is really wrong with him. And it reminds me of page 30 and 31 that over and over and over tells us we are not like other men. We are not like other people. When I read this this morning and I listened to the shares, I was reminded of who cares to admit complete defeat. I couldn't figure out where that was. I was Googling like crazy. Where is that? It's the first line in step one in the 12 and 12. Who cares to admit complete defeat? 
And it goes on to talk about in this on the same page in the twelve and twelve, until he so humbles himself, his sobriety, if any, will be precarious. And this brings me to my truth. My truth is that on Thanksgiving Day, in two days from today, I'm going to pull my scale out in front of my family. And fortunately, they're getting used to that new little friend of mine. And if I don't pull it out, one of my children will say to me, hey, mom, where's your scale? And I'll say, I have to go to the car and get it, honey. I left it in the car by accident. But my kids are now learning. This is who I am. How strange is it that we have such a hard time being who we are? This is the, the obstacle that we, have to, that we have to surmount. There are people who go to real dialysis three times a week. Why is it so hard for me to be humble and admit something is wrong with me? I have an eating disorder, and I am cornered at last. I am cornered by the food. I am cornered by my broken eyes. I am cornered by my ego. I am cornered by my fear of what people will think of me. I am cornered by the idea that I'm not good enough, that I'm different from other people, and worse than that, that I'm not as good at them as, as them, that I can't eat like a normal person because I can't. What's the big deal? So I can't. And so I'm, thank God. I'm cornered at last, and I'm going to pull out my scale, and I'm going to accept who I am and embrace it, in fact. I have an eating disorder. I have broken eyes, and it requires me to pull out a scale and use my scale on Thanksgiving. And it's ego-reducing. And it's okay, because until I humble myself, my sobriety, if any, will be precarious. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Sally A. Melissa C. Hi, good morning. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, yeah, to be cornered, um, you know, um, it wasn't a number on the scale, you know, because um, I had weighed over 300 pounds at one time. And, um, you know, a logical person would say, surely you were cornered then. but I wasn't, you know, I, I still went on. I got a little, I got a little bit of program in at that point because um, the number frightened me. I lost a little weight, but I wasn't cornered. I wasn't ready to admit defeat. Um, and, you know, and so I continued on. And, you know, for me, my being cornered um, happened. I was still somewhat affiliated with OA. I had been attending as frequently. I wasn't really um, even giving a food plan anymore, but I still, on some level, was working some sort of program, um, you know, my own crazy uh, piecemeal program, because I wasn't cornered yet, so I wasn't completely surrendered. You know, for me, the corner um, came when I knew that I needed to really return into the room and that I was going to do it without having lost the 10 pounds that I thought I had put on since I did their last. Because I always wanted to come back a victor. You know, I didn't want to come back completely defeated. And being cornered meant for me that, nope, you are defeated by this, and the weight is not, it's just the symptom at this point. You know, for me, being cornered, um, I couldn't rely on my thinking anymore. I was... Um, binging in the car on the way to work because I was terrified and it wasn't working. I couldn't stop the fear.
year. And, you know, and I started listening to this meeting and I started hearing how my fear was selfish. And, and that, that notion blows me over, you know, and then I realized, holy crap, you're cornered. Because not only are you going to have to put the food down, you mean I'm going to have to stop being afraid? I'm going to have to trust? Um, and that, for me, was, you know, was, was the corner. And, um, and so along with getting completely abstinent, including weighing my food, um, I had to be willing to turn my fear over to God. And um, thank you, God. You know, God is carrying me through on this commute. Uh, <laughs> thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Amy G., can you hear me, Melanie? I I can. Hi, Jane. Hi, Amy. Hey, how are you? Good morning. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you so much for your service, and thank you, everyone, who shared. Boy, I, I could relate. You know, when I first read this story and was really trying to understand this in relation to compulsive overeating, you know, I may not have related to going to war or the era that Bill grew up, but when I hear now I plunge into the dark, I can remember so many things I identify in, you know, in my humble opinion. That's why they put this story here. They describe the disease and doctor's opinion, and then they give you a story. And, boy, can I relate to what Bill is talking about, those dark places. I think about dark parking lots. I think about sitting in a dark car in a dark parking lot near the edge of a woods somewhere where I am binging my brains out on Dunkin' Donuts and Sara Lee and Miss Debbie until I'm full, and then I open the door and I walk into the woods and I puke my guts out and I get back into the dark parking lot, the dark car, and I continue with my binge. And it goes on and on and on. Like Sally, I'm going to go to step one, and it says here that the, the alcohol for us, compulsive reading, is the rapacious creditor, and it bleeds us of all self-sufficiency and all will to resist its demands. And I had gotten to the point of being unable to resist its demands. Even though I wanted to stop, I needed to stop, I had to stop, I could not stop. I had lost my will to to even try, to even try. You know, Bill tried for years. We've seen the progression of the disease, and mine was exactly the same. And at one point I said, I give up. I, I can't. I can't. And I remember the four terrible horses it talks about in the vision for you. I understand those just like Bill terror, bewilderment, frustration, despair, every morning waking up with that and then doing it all over again. Like Bill, I was a victim of a mental obsession so powerful that no amount of willpower, my own willpower, could break it. Step one says, no such thing as personal conquest of this compulsion by the unaided will. And I know for me, you know, we keep talking about bottoms, 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 and the saying in the rooms is, you know, your bottom stop, stops when you stop digging. Well, for me, I knew that I was powerless way before I was willing to stop digging, and the disease would be happy to refund another bottom, another misery. It would be happy to rape the rest of your life, and I know it did for me, of any ability to relate to other human beings, to have any semblance of a life, because that's what the disease did to me. These are the promise of this disease. This progression and this bottom that Bill is at is the promises of the disease. But for me, admitting powerlessness was not enough. This program is about ego reduction. At some point, I had to choose to surrender. 
I had to surrender that I of my own will, I had to choose. I had to choose. It talks about it on page 25 on the big book. You know, one of my favorite quotes we get to, if you are a seriously alcoholic or compulsive over years, we were, we believe there is no middle of the road solution. We were in a position where life is becoming impossible and we passed into a region where there was no return from human aid. We had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blitting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other was to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to and we were willing to make the effort. I had to be willing to not only admit I was powerless, but choose to surrender. That's the devastating part and the prize that I believe everyone on the line is talking about and maybe someone out there can relate to. We have to choose to surrender and only I of myself and my will can choose to do that and say that I am done, I am powerless, I am at the end, and I need help. And these steps are where we come in from there. And of my unaided will, I need a power greater than myself. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy G. Tracy T. Hello, can you hear me? I can. Good morning, Tracy. Good morning. This is Tracy T. from New York. It's my first time calling to share, but like what I hear people saying, I'm doing what I hear um, is part of the process of um, achieving recovery and freedom. Um, this this disease for me has been interesting because my earliest thoughts were I didn't want to eat. And um, from an early time, I remember my mother forcing me to eat. And, and I saw, I think that the, the disease was, was manifesting itself there. And um, this thing of ego and control, um, I could relate to, to what Bill is saying. I could relate to what Lois is saying because I've been in Lois's shoes as well. So it's like it will morph, it will morph itself into different things. And um, my bottom has probably was about four or five months ago when I hurt myself arguing with God that I too had the, been desperate. And why were some people calling it the gift of desperation? And yet, I knew I was desperate too. And and that's when I realized that I was arguing with God. So how desperate could I have been? I realized that there was still that, that ego. And so, like, now I find myself just surrendering, surrendering, surrendering. I'm very tired. I do feel like this. Um, I'm steady. I'm not crazy. I'm not the way I was. But I know that leveling out the playing field is exactly what's happening. So... Thank you for um, all your shares, and I plan to share more. Thank you. Thank you, Tracy T. Who else would like to comment on this paragraph? We could take two, maybe three more that would end this. Betty W. Portion. Hi, Betty. Anyone else? I'll jump in there. Oh, great. Thanks, Leah. Anybody else? One more, please. If not, I can do that. Oh, hi, Sandy. We'll take you then. Thank you so much. Okay, great. Betty W., you want to start us out? Yes, thank you so much for calling on me. And I'm Betty W., an abstinent um, um, compulsive overeater and undereater from central New York. Well, this reading reminds me so much of me, and I can identify so closely with him. Um, This is all about Bill's ego and not his soul. And I can't, you know, I, I uh, 
know that any ego response for me is an inadequate response. And it's, ego is attached to things. And for me, my biggest attachment was food. But I didn't realize that wasn't my problem. It was my solution for dealing with emotional and spiritual issues. And the soul is all about growth and light. And when they talk about him being cornered, I picture myself in a corner where, as other people said, it's dark and two walls are closing in on me and there's no place to go. And I felt like that when I was in the food. I used to eat at night. I was a nighttime eater. And um, even when I went to my daughter's house, I would eat my daughter and son-in-law's and the kids' desserts or box. I could eat a whole box of crackers, uh, and that was never enough. So then I ate a whole box of crackers with other things on it. And I'm just so grateful to OA that I'm out of that mental obsession and, uh, and the physical craving. And it's all because I listen to this meeting every day, and I call my sponsor, and I use the tools. I need a very structured program. And that means I weigh and measure my food. And I know every time I do that, God is in the cup or God is on the scale. And if I turn to my higher power, that's the solution for me. And I learned that all in OA and at this meeting. And so I'm very, very grateful. And thank you for leading. And thank you, everyone on the line. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Betty W. Leah M. Thanks so much, Melanie. Uh, they did not need to tell me I knew and almost welcomed my idea. You know, it's not pretty <laughs> getting to this point. Um, certainly, you know, in reading about this frightening and, you know, vivid and detailed account of of Bill's descent into alcoholism, you know, we're kind of reading it in slow motion, you know, dissecting every paragraph. And personally, I relate in, you know, because if you ate like me past the point where eating no longer worked, quote unquote, you know, Bill drank to the point where it no longer worked, you know, he was at the jumping off point, and I relate to that, you know, if you ate like me past the point where eating no longer works, you will experience a new understanding of terror, a new understanding of hopelessness, a new understanding of desperation and of remorse, and on and on and on and on. You know, when when I came uh, to you, to those in whom the problem had been solved, I was very beaten and bloodied, and I had been in this disease a long time. Um, but there were those in whom the problem had been solved who took me aside and said, Leah, this is a surrender. This is a decision to recover that only you can make. Willingness is a one-person job. You said that you'd walk alongside me, but I alone had to come to this uh, surrender, this point of giving up. You know, today I know, you know, that our big book, you know, talks about walking that, through that arch of freedom. Uh, Bill, you know, is at this point of making a surrender of, of giving up, you know, and freedom isn't free, you know, whether we're talking about our uh, country, whether we're talking about um, being released from the grips of addiction, 
Um, you know, my story of addiction was fast and furious. You may have a different story. It may be one over many decades like myself, or you may have functioned well over a, a long period of time, or it may have been very fast. But sooner or later, we all sit feeling empty and hopeless like Bill. Um, you know, and I had to get to that point, you know, of feeling like there was no more debate in me. There was no debate about powerlessness. There was no debate about unmanageability. There was no debate about the words of about insanity. I was done. I was finished. That's it. No more. And, you know, it's not a pretty place because we get bled out of ego, bled out of, you know, our um, and we're uh, ready to throw in the towel. You know, Bill didn't have AA to run to. Thank God uh, there is AA, there is OA, some people who, uh, you know, are more than willing to guide others out of the ditch. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Sandy S. Star one, Sandy S. If Sandy S isn't there, would one more person like to step in to pitch before we close up? Hello. Hello. Um, Hello. Okay to share. I heard um, Lindsay B. Since we couldn't oh. get a hold of Sandy, can we go with that, please? Hi, oh. Lindsay. Hello, this is Lindsay. Can you hear me still? I can. Yes. Good morning. Hi, Lindsay B. Great to be with you. Um, I wasn't going to share, but I suddenly pops into my head how insidious this disease is, and that for me, as a one of those people that have been able to look fine on the outside even, you know, in this recovered state can, can all of a sudden have this thing, oh, I'm so great. And was suddenly remembering in the last several Thanksgivings or Christmases at uh, my husband's family where we've had the most amazing, wonderful, social, lovely time together, but Lindsay hasn't had enough and I'm off, you know, stealing sugars and things from stockings and other people's wonderful little gifts that they've opened with such surprise and looking forward to. And just the shame of that, that, the shame. And I think that's the thing that finally sort of made me be willing um, to completely surrender 100% instead of 98% because <laughs> that doesn't work. Um, and so this morning I'm reminded of, of the, that, that not having that shame in my life, which is why today I absolutely have to do the work again because this is a, a, a daily reprieve. And for that, I'm grateful and with that I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you so much to everyone that shared today. And it is time to close our meeting. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. So we will now close with the reading of the big book on page 164. And we'll follow that with a serenity prayer. Will Chelsea H. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, Melanie. Thanks. I'm Chelsea H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater for today. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. 
See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.